0: In January of 2017, I traveled to Greece to work with families in the camps there that were set up for mostly Syrian refugees. The women there had been through a lot. They were pregnant, giving birth, and breastfeeding or bottle feeding their babies, and they needed our support. It was a Tremendous time, very difficult, very challenging, wonderful. I met some amazing women, and um, and I realized when I came home that I was just a tiny little drop in the bucket of need. That is the, 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 the tragedy that is the migrant uh, situation in the world right now as we know it. Politics notwithstanding, mothers and babies are always happening. Mothers are having babies wherever we are in the world. We are reproducing and we are having children and we are loving those babies. And the crisis in Greece is still going on so it is with a heavy heart that I read about the fire in uh, one of the refugee camps in Greece in the island of Lesbos yesterday. Um, 12,000 people were displaced. Many of those are women and children. And it just so happened that I interviewed a doula friend yesterday who is in Greece right now, um, providing any kind of support she can to the mothers that are living on the streets of Athens. So I would like to welcome you, doula Kimberly, and um, I'm going to put in the show notes where you can donate to this worthy cause and believe me I know that we're all going through hard times right now and I know that it's hard to dig into your pockets but when you listen to the stories and look at the news you'll realize that even ten dollars to buy someone food or to help someone find a place to live or to find a way that someone can clean their baby bottles if they're not able to breastfeed means a lot. So thank you all, spread the love. Be well, stay well. Here's Kimberly. So, I just wanted to take the opportunity, since you're in Greece, um, to interview for Baby Magic to, to let everyone know what's happening there and what you're doing there. And it seemed like a great opportunity. So, um, can you just introduce yourself and who you are, where you're from, and, and what you're doing?
1: Sure. Um, So my name is Kimberly Riney and I'm a doula from Montreal, Canada and um, a few years ago I started going to Greece to work with refugees uh, in various capacities but mostly actually refugees with breastfeeding or, or pregnant or with very small babies. And it's, uh, well, the first year I didn't realize I'd be doing it more than that. I thought it would be just a one-shot thing and then the refugee crisis would be over. But to be honest, if anything, it's gotten worse.
0: So here I am again. So what's the situation like? I'm, I'm assuming, and I, I know this isn't true for all of our listeners, but I'm in, assuming that, that uh, there are listeners out there that know absolutely nothing. So the first time you were there was about, I'm thinking about. Um, so
1: the situation is basically that if you are coming from a country, um, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, and Syria, where there's a lot of war political instability, um, and you are crossing without an airplane, Greece is basically your first stop into Europe. So, Um, A lot of countries in Europe, North America, made sure that Syrians and Afghans and Iraqis and all of these people needed a visa to come. And those visas are pretty hard to get because they understand that a lot of people are gonna take that, get on the plane, and ask for refugee status when they arrive. Because the majority of these people are not poor. They can afford a plane ticket. So that's where uh, Greece comes in, I guess, because if you get to the coast of Turkey, you can take a boat to Greece to one of the islands, Lesbos, Leros, Kos, Kios, and from there, you can make your demand for refugee status. Um, unfortunately, by land, there isn't anywhere else you can go from Greece, because all of the countries that border Greece are not EU countries. So once you've come to Greece, well, you're, you're a bit stuck. And that's why Greece has such a huge refugee problem at the moment, because the rest of Europe isn't really helping out in taking these refugees, moving them someplace more, more permanent and, and settling them. So um, they keep coming and coming and coming to Greece and they're, they're not able to deal with them. I mean, they have their own economic crisis here and their own problems with unemployment. Um, they're just, their infrastructure is not set up to have thousands and thousands of people show up and need it.
0: So, mm. I have a couple of um detailed questions just do you can you can you give us an idea of the numbers we're talking about just let's say for this year um, no <laughs> I, I remember in twenty sixteen it was something like sixty thousand that had come in so yeah. I just want the the listeners to know that it's we're not talking about a thousand people we're talking in the tens of thousands generally every. Yeah. Year.
1: Definitely, we're talking in the tens of thousands. Like I, I would say, fifty, sixty thousand every year would be a, a pretty good guess. I don't think it's gone down since then. Um, perhaps the the countries have changed, but the overall arrivals haven't.
0: So that was my next question. Um, what I I know that when you first went to Greece, you were mostly working with people from from uh, Syria and then a, a, little, a few people from Afghanistan, Iraq, and Iran, but where are people coming from now?
1: Um, I'd say that the main demographics, which I'd say that you see right now is that there's a far more people coming from Afghanistan, and there's also a lot of people coming from uh, the Central African countries, Cameroon, uh, Congo, Central African Republic, um, that are also very unstable.
0: So I just want our listeners to imagine what it would be like if you discovered that you were pregnant while you were actually traveling from your war-torn country to somewhere where you imagined would be better. It's, it's, it's such a journey for people and it's such a, such a different journey of pregnancy than, than most of us can ever imagine. So what, what kinds of work do you do with people, with families that are arriving there?
1: um it's difficult to say because this this trip particularly has been a really mixed bag um with with the pandemic uh, and everything i was actually supposed to come earlier in the spring and that was obviously cancelled um so even now i kind of feel like maybe it was a bit early to be coming but uh this is the time that happened to to work out for for a variety of reasons um Greece is way far ahead of Canada in terms of deconfinements. So things are basically the only difference is that people are kind of trying to wear masks inside. That's really the only difference. Uh, social distancing isn't isn't really happening. You know, it's a Mediterranean country. Everyone's quite close. Everyone has maybe a little less personal space than we do in Canada. Um, people are very comfortable to brush up against each other on the sidewalk. The sidewalks are also extremely narrow. There are some of them even less than a meter meter wide. So if you're trying to pass somebody else, not get run over, yeah, you're going to be pretty close to them. Um, but in general, also people inside um, are very comfortable, like restaurants, packed to capacity. Uh, it's quite a, I was a bit in culture shock when I got here. Um, anyways, a lot of people have said, and a lot of the, the NGOs have said that the Greece is kind of headed with the second wave and they've been asked to, to change their uh, policies regarding meetings in person and things like that. So um, a lot of the things that I had originally thought I would be doing got canceled and some of those I was actually quite disappointed by. Um, there was supposed to be some peer counseling. So that's something actually new because Example, take somebody like me. Um, I've got a family and kids at home. I can't come to Greece that often. I can come maybe once a year for a few weeks. I can make small changes in people's lives, but I can't make an overall gigantic change in those two weeks. Um, So that's, of course, been something that people have realized over and over again. and, And the solution is peer counseling because there is a lot of refugees out there who are highly educated and intelligent, who have also maybe breastfed, had children, and they can pass that information on to their community in a much bigger scope than one volunteer can who doesn't even know the city or the system or anything. So um, that's, that's one thing that I found has been really, uh, I don't know, much more present the last few years that I've been here, that idea that um, peer counseling is, is really valuable that if you can train people from the community to become breastfeeding counselors or breastfeeding uh, advocates, they can make a huge difference.
0: That's really great. That's, that's such good news because it's so empowering for everyone as well, on, on top of that, and also uh, the women that maybe wouldn't get noticed by someone working as a volunteer will get noticed by, by someone that's working as a peer counselor
1: exactly there's a a shelter nearby and through one of the organizations that I was volunteering with they they were really eager to have me come to to watch their their peer counseling and their baby weighing session and a lot of volunteered activities uh, let's say at the beginning the first like half hour you're like okay this is totally useless it's a waste of time Um, but actually it wasn't it it was very I mean I, I didn't really need to be but for everyone to come and to see me and to ask questions, they were asking me questions that the two women there were very able to answer. And that was, uh, that was really good. But I said, yes, no, she gave you the right answer. She knows exactly what she's talking about. Um, that was, it was really nice to see. The, the, there were two women cooperating together. One was a Farsi speaker, one was a French speaker. And in the shelter, there were more than 20 babies under two. And they brought them all in, they weighed them, they got their length, they asked their mothers about breastfeeding information. Uh, It it was really nice to see. It was really nice to be there. And it was also nice to see that, for example, the women who were having more problems and and the breastfeeding counselors weren't quite sure how to refer them, they could be referred on to to other people and other organizations as well. So there was much more of a support
0: network. So, One of the questions that I've been thinking about and have been thinking about for 20 years, it's not a new question in my mind, um, where and especially now though, I think it's coming to the forefront now that the the world seems like there are so many problems in so many places. And I know that you know the feeling of being a volunteer and just throwing a little tiniest drop into this bucket of problems and, and what do we do. Why did you choose Greece? Well, <laughs>
1: no, no particularly good reason, let's put it that way. Um, my partner is Israeli and we usually go to visit his family once a year. And Greece is kind of technically on the way. Um, so it, it's also, it's kind of an affordable destination for me. What, what my original plan was, uh, what I usually do most years is um, I leave a week before everyone else and I fly to Israel via Greece. And I have a two week stopover. So my flight doesn't actually end up costing anymore because it's just considered a, a small transit. And I get to be here and volunteer. So that's that's my main reason for coming to Greece. I'm sure there's many more places where I could uh, also be of use. But um, yeah, that's why me and Greece go way back.
0: And have you got, uh, do you feel a certain affinity for the people that you're working with there?
1: Definitely. No, I, I really, I like the people that I'm working with. I've been with a few organizations now that I've come back. I've got colleagues that I've worked with several years in a row. Um, colleagues that I even aren't, for example, here at the moment that I can refer back to for, for various information on things. So, yeah, definitely I have an affinity for the people I'm working with.
0: And do you find since COVID um, there's been um, a movement against, like a public movement against the presence of the refugees there more than there was a few years ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely there, there is a certain amount of racism surrounding the whole issue of refugees and COVID. Um, you know, while, while the rest of Greek is, Greece is completely into deconfinement and, and parties and bars and restaurants and beaches, uh, a lot of the refugee camps remain closed, just closed, closed. Uh, refugees can't come in or out because they might spread Covid, they might have Covid, there might be an outbreak. I mean I understand that. If, if we're in full confinement, by all means, don't let people into a refugee camp, don't let them out either. But if everyone else in society is deconfined, then I, I think there's a little something more there. By something more, just to put, not to find a point on it, I mean in- institutionalized racism. Mm. Um, You know, they're very much, even with like, I'd say a lot of people I spoke to, they said, aren't you worried you're gonna get COVID working with refugees? Yeah, I mean, I'm also worried I might get COVID going to the grocery store, um, riding the Metro, you know, there's a lot of things that I worry about getting it. Um, Not just particularly because of whom I'm working with. Also, one of the centers I'm working at, we're supposed to get our temperatures checked every day on the way in. Um, because obviously it would be uh, kind of bad if our center had people who had COVID coming there and doing mom and baby classes uh, but the doorman is this sweet older gentleman he just doesn't get it every time I come up and I said okay are you going to take my temperature and he's like oh you don't need your temperature taking work
0: here. <laughs>
1: just, it's very well meaning it's very sweet but sorry like if I work here and I'm spreading it like that's actually 10 times worse
0: so yeah so can you give us a, a little inc- insight into someone's life? What would it be like for someone who came? You're working mostly with mothers who have already given birth, right?
1: Basically, at this point, I'm doing kind of, yeah, outreach. And yeah, mothers who've given birth, uh, people who are maybe pregnant, i um, going to give birth probably quite soon.
0: So, so can you tell us a little maybe amalgamated story of, of a few people just make up a, an imaginary person based on some real facts of, of, of how it would be arriving in Greece uh, up until, you know, giving birth and then breastfeeding, what's it like, how, how, what kind of support do, do families have? Um, zero, uh, for a lot
1: of people. <laughs> Uh, so my amalgamated story would probably be a, a story from two or three women I've met this week um, who were from Africa, because, of course, the, the situation is also quite different. A lot, of, a lot of people, especially that I see, a lot of women who arrive from Afghanistan will arrive with their family. Uh, and that's that could be a very different story. A lot of women who arrive from Africa... They're, they're making the journey alone and as a result they're much more vulnerable to sexual assault and trafficking. So that would be the, the first kind of stage in the story would be the, this person is not coming with probably a pregnancy that they wanted or a pregnancy that was um, not a result of sexual assault. They're, they're coming here and, and they're having babies that uh, that are, re- are definitely a result of rape for the most part. Um, often when they get here it's a a difficult situation sometimes they arrive in the islands and because they're pregnant then they're sent to athens when you're sent to athens you're not necessarily sent anywhere in particular you're just put on the ferry and they they say okay bye you can go to athens now but you you don't know anything you don't know where to go um a lot of the camps are full and because of covid they're not taking new people so uh, Generally, you're gonna find a place to sleep if you have connections already with people in your community that maybe you knew from before or somebody can put you in touch with. Maybe you'll find a place to sleep inside a house, but probably you won't. So there's a lot of people who are sleeping in the parks. Um, the, you know That's wonderful, it's the summer, it's not raining right now, but it's not gonna work out so well in a few months once, uh, once it starts to get more wet and more cold. So if you're sleeping in a park, uh, when you give birth, you're gonna have a bit of a problem because the hospital won't let your baby come home unless you've got a home to come to. So a lot of women have their babies held by the hospital until they find something. But finding something, finding accommodation right now as a refugee in Athens is, I mean, it's really difficult. Let's say finding accommodation, even if you had the money, would be difficult. Finding accommodation without the money is even more difficult. So maybe you would find a place that, to be quite honest, is nothing more than a flop house. It would cost you maybe 60 euros a month, which is a decent fee, but they would want another 60 euros for the baby. So that would be already 120 euros a month to share a house with probably 10, 20 other people and their children. And yeah. Then the landlord would be able to maybe, if he was kind, write a letter to the hospital saying, you did have a place to stay and asking them to give you the baby back. If the letter was well written and maybe in Greek, they might. If they didn't think that this was a real landlord, they might not. And then where would you be? You'd have spent 120 euros for this first month and you still wouldn't have your baby. Um, Usually when you go back um, from the hospital, they don't tell you that much information about breastfeeding. They don't tell you if you're separated from your baby, you should be pumping as much as the baby is eating, so 8 to 12 times a day. They don't even usually give you a breast pump. Sometimes they will, but sometimes if you live in a park, it's not always so, so easy to use a breast pump. Um, you know, it's embarrassing to get your breasts out and try and pump in a park that's kind of full of other people because there's lots of other people that live in this park so i have um, you know one woman who goes to a friend's house her friend lets her come every day at nine to come once a day and her friend as she said she's very fortunate to have this friend because her friend also keeps her blanket for her so after she comes at nine she can get the blanket to go sleep in the park and she doesn't have to keep keep it with her or leave it in the park all day uh,
0: what else I think you've given us a pretty good idea. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea, yeah. it's easy. Yeah. It makes it puts things in perspective, definitely. Yeah. I think uh, I think my next question uh, I'll just keep it short is if anyone out there wants to help in any way, shape, or form, um, how can how can we help?
1: Um, I would say, look, if you have a specific area of interest it's good to look into the small NGOs that are working there. Um, the big NGOs, in my opinion, have proven time and time again, that they spend more money on administration than they do helping people. Um, but if you look, to, if you're particularly interested in moms and babies, um, well, the three organizations so far that I've uh, been working with are Amrotel, So Amrotel Greece, um, Crips International, and Cheering, which is a breastfeeding organization. Um, I also very much support uh, Doctors Without Borders, so MSF. They do really amazing work. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of organizations out there, but generally I would say it's probably not the bigger ones.
0: I'm going to put those details on the, on the show notes, so if anyone does want to donate, they can. Wonderful. Anything else that you'd like to say, Kimberly? Um, just as a final final thing I, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you what you're doing over there
1: thank you I wish I could be here longer and do more of it that's, that's all I can say it's, um, sometimes I feel like it's every day every time before I go I think oh am I even going to have anything to do when I get there and every time before I come back I think there's never going to be enough time to finish everything um I feel this time, I've, I've been much more independent. Um, I've, I've been in touch with people who aren't part of the organizations that I work with. Um, they aren't part of their, let's say, target markets. Um, if you run, for example, a charity or, or a nonprofit organization, you, you have to have a very clear mission statement. And for example, if your mission statement is housing pregnant women, um giving money to random women who live in a park and are trying to make breast pumping work for them isn't part of your mission statement and so that in that respect i've done a lot more independent work um like work helping people and meeting people who who kind of fall through the cracks in a lot of the other organizations so yeah that's I guess that's, that's where I am. I wish I could almost move here and uh, just do it full time. But sometimes that's definitely not compatible with having a family, no. which is kind of intense. And this is kind of intense in a different way. So I guess it's good to, to separate the two, and to have my few weeks of intensity.
0: And you're very fortunate that you can leave your family for a few weeks and, and come and do this work.
1: So.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely am. Well, thank you very much. Give my love to all of the families that you're working with, and uh, we'll talk about the details if anyone wants to donate.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you all for listening. Here are the details if you want to donate. Amotel works with mostly breastfeeding mothers, bottle-feeding mothers, providing diapers information and uh, midwifery care. It's Greece.amotel.org. Uh, Doctors Without Borders is always a useful organization. And uh, cribsinternational.org helps pregnant women and women with newborns who are living on the street to find accommodation in mostly Athens cheering.eu helps with breastfeeding and training for peer counseling, which is super important, um, especially in the in the situation people find themselves in because uh, it's not uh, there's a lot of people and uh, there's not very many volunteers. So thank you all for the love. I'll see you on next week. I'm presenting Deborah Pascale Bonaro, the orgasmic birth lady and just spread the love, spread the love.